Welcome to Stand Out from the Crowd, the podcast dedicated to helping professionals and leaders amplify their voice, impact and influence. Are you ready? Let's go. Hello, hello, bonjour, salam alaikum. I hope you are all doing well. I'm super happy and excited to be back for another live interview on Stand Up from the Crowd. If you're new here, welcome. I'm going live every Wednesday uh, with a standout guest, an expert in his industry, some of the, the best thought leaders uh, that currently, you know, are making an impact. And by the way, my name is Darin Benamara. And so today we are going to talk about how to build a thriving industry community on LinkedIn. Here we are being specific and simply let's ask the question, wouldn't it be nice to have a community where you can interact with your audience and where, you know, you know, this community is the best place to uh, build trust. You know, how we can take a positive workplace culture and take it online and build a thriving industry community. And LinkedIn have been, has been proven over and over again to be a great platform that you can leverage to make yourself and your company uh, visible in order to grow your impact. And so today our standout guest, Swish Goswami, credits over communication on LinkedIn for the success of his company. And we're going to talk about it in a minute. You know, when you think about it, other communication might not be a bad thing if you know how to do it properly. And so he's going to share with us his own experience and insights on how to best uh, communicate, aka over communicate on LinkedIn, not to bother people, but to amplify your impact and again, build a thriving community. So please help me welcome Switch on board. Hello, Switch. How are you doing? Good. How are you doing? I'm doing great. And as usual, let us know where you are tuning in from. We have a beautiful international community here. Share your insights, questions, experience. Swish, first of all, I want to say congratulations because uh, yesterday you reached uh, a milestone of over, over 200,000 users uh, of your platforms, which is something that you achieved in a very, very short of time. So please, please tell us more about Surf and how yes. did you leverage LinkedIn to build this powerful community that you uh, transformed into a powerful uh, uh, buyers uh, community? Sure, yeah, 100%. No, thank you. Surf um, was a project we started about three and a half years ago. The kind of core mission behind Surf is to reward people for their data. So right now, when you browse the internet, you share your data with companies like Amazon or Google or Facebook, but you're not getting anything back in return for it. So we want to compensate people directly and give them points that they can use towards items, gift cards, coupons, giveaways, discounts that they'll be able to use and actually get value from their data. So that's kind of surf in a nutshell. Like you mentioned, we just crossed 200,000 users that are using our extension now, which we're, we're very, very excited about. Um, and then in terms of LinkedIn and how, I mean, obviously LinkedIn has been very impactful to like help promote Surf, but I think even just when I take a look at, you know, some of the early employees we hired onto Surf, 
the initial investors and advisors we brought on, some of our early customers, a lot of that came through LinkedIn. A lot of that came through posting about what I was doing on LinkedIn, interviewing people on LinkedIn, hosting meetups for LinkedIn, writing on LinkedIn. All of that has led to me just being in front of so many different types of people that we've been able to bring some of those people into the surf community as well. So uh, I'm a big fan of Gary Vee and Grant Cardone, and they are all about over-communicating, about pushing your message out there. And now that we live in a saturated online environment, it takes a minimum, if I'm correct, of 21 touch points for a person actually with your message before, you know, they start taking action or they start, you know, wanting to know more. So where do you draw the line between effective communication and over-communication? Yeah, I think for me, when I take a look at what I mean by over-communication, it's more of trying to be as clear as possible with my team about what I want them to do um, or essentially what is the core priorities for the week. Um, I think one of the things that we're going through right now, and I know a lot of companies are as well, is we're transitioned entirely to being a remote first environment where people are working from home predominantly. They're spending, you know, obviously their time when they work at surf, they're really working from their home, they're they're in the pajamas, they're in kind of their own work environment. Um, and so that's obviously great, but it's also it's made it very difficult because we also haven't been able to sit down with people in person to be able to guide them through things. So that's why I always preach over communication because even if you think that someone knows something, just put it into a public Slack channel, for example, so everybody's aware of what the key priorities for product are these weeks. If you have a release, for example, that went out, post about the release notes. If you need something, for example, and you need some help on a particular topic or you have an ask, put it into the public forum so everybody can have visibility into it and see it. Wherever possible, I really want people to make sure that they're taking their communication and they're putting it more in a public environment where everybody can feel like they're part of a much bigger team. And it's not like you have siloed conversations happening all over the place. That's great. And I do believe it avoids confusion, right? So you ensure oh, yeah. that everyone has the same message at the same time using different channels. So like everyone is on the same page your yep. team and your community because i know you communicate a lot with your uh, online community as well so yep. you know there is this debate and now it's been a couple of weeks not to say month about the bosses who want to get their employees uh force the employees to get back uh, at work or at least offer a hybrid the uh, workplace model i know you you transitioned fully online and um, and you noticed some changes and notably it has helped you uh, grow your business the way it has grown so far. So how did you, and I think a lot of people ask themselves these questions because we can see how challenging it is for some leaders and for entrepreneurs to make that shift, to make, to make that transition to, to be fully remote and fully online. So how did you shift and transfer your online, your workplace culture from a physical interaction and you know everything that happens to having a thriving online uh, uh, community and ha having a thriving online team? Yeah, I think we did a few things. Number one is we definitely set up weekly cadences for the entire team to meet and be in one Zoom call or one Hangouts together. So we have a Monday morning stand up. Um, we do a Wednesday executive call with just the executives. 
and then we do a Friday team call. And then every two weeks, along with that Friday team call, we also do something that we call a Friday cheers. And the Friday cheers is where we play a game. So whether we're playing Pictionary, whether we're doing trivia, whether we're doing um, Gartic phone, we take a game essentially and we play it all together online. Um, so that's been really nice just to be able to make sure that people feel like they're still interacting with other individuals outside of their department on a more personal level and they have that ability to do so through what we've set up. We also every three weeks have a hopes and fears session. So this is a 30 minute session that happens typically on a Thursday every three weeks where the entire company comes together and whether you're an intern or an executive in the company, you have the chance to be able to share your hopes and your fears. So what are you really excited about in terms of where the company is going and what are you doubtful of? Anxieties that you have, fears that you have associated to your job, where the company is going, et cetera. And it's been great because initially my co-founder and I were really the ones that were talking the most during these sessions. And now we find that a lot of our employees are talking a lot even. And so it's been great to see that they feel comfortable to share these hopes and fears. And again, a lot of the fears that come out of these sessions, we actually go and act on them right away, whether it's setting a follow-up call the next week or me writing it down and having a one-on-one -on -one with that employee the week after. So that's been great you know, to be able to take certain things like that and add it as a call um, where people still feel like there's a kind of a healthy balance between being able to work on their own, being able to work in their own environment, while also feeling like they're part of a much bigger team. And so that that's great, actually. And I think uh, many of the leaders, team leaders and entrepreneurs watching us live or replay, if you're watching the replay also, leave your comment and question down below. Uh, we'll take note because I know this is challenging and oftentimes because they simply don't know how to go about it. So thank you for sharing uh, that much about how you structured your, your online transition. So now... Now, going back to, to, to LinkedIn, you have a, a, a built a thriving uh, community on LinkedIn as well. You have over 100,000 uh, uh, community members. Um, how did it get started? Did you have a, a content strategy in mind? Are you very specific about the posts that you, you, you share on the platform or you just go with the flow? Let us know how it goes because I know a lot of people also who you know, don't feel comfortable posting on LinkedIn, especially leaders. They don't want to say too much. They don't, they don't know what to say outside of you know, work. And, but they still have you know, this this willingness to start building a community because they know that their journey, their knowledge, their lessons learned can impact and inspire many, many others. So what was your journey uh, building your online community on LinkedIn? Yeah, I didn't follow any sort of formula or anything like that. Again, I've been posting on LinkedIn now since 2015. So it's been about seven years. Um, when I came on, I was one of the kind of first and early students, if you will, that was posting on LinkedIn. There weren't as many college students that were sharing openly like what they were going through with their college experience. And so I started kind of speaking a college student's language, right? I started talking about things like mental health, procrastination, not knowing what I wanted to do with my life, having way too many passions and not being able to pick one. These were things that I think a lot of college students could really relate with. Along with that, I also started interviewing people because I realized that some high net worth, really successful people were just being inundated by coffee requests. There were way too many people trying to take them out for coffee and not that many people that were saying, hey, can I interview you for five to 10 minutes? And so when I got the chance to be able to meet these people, I interviewed them, I wrote their story in a small paragraph or even a full article and I'd share that on LinkedIn where obviously they would then go and repost it on their channel and that would help in terms of cross-pollination. 
So the way that I think about content is that there's four types of content. There are informative posts, which really plays to your background, your expertise. What is your competitive advantage? What do you know that most other people don't know? And you can mm-hmm. share that either through articles. You could share that through just you know a paragraph that you share once a week, documenting a new lesson that you learned within your field. There are then a lot of personal anecdotes. These are obviously the times that are really good, but also the times that are really tough that you talk about openly. Times that maybe you got promoted, maybe you raised a new round, brought on a new two member, maybe your company failed, maybe you got fired. What did you learn from these experiences? Share that openly. There's then also discussion questions. You know, if you don't know a lot about a topic, it might be good to just ask a question to your broader community. Even if you have 50 people in your community and you ask the question, hey guys, can someone explain to me what Bitcoin is all about? Chances are that one or two people will say, I know a little bit about that topic and they'll go and comment. And now you'll start to see that post go on other people's feed who you weren't even connected with in the first place. And finally, inspirational content. By inspirational content, I don't mean like, just do it and like motivational quotes only. I mean, taking stories around you, whether it's people you know, or even people you don't know that you look up to and you research and taking what's inspiring about them and sharing that, whether it's through video, photo or written text and making sure that you really try to get to the crux of what makes that person inspiring. Is it their work ethic? Is is it the fact they came from nothing? Is it their philanthropy? Is it the way they network and meet people? What about it is so inspiring about this individual that you think that other people should act like them and try to share that as well? And so those are the four types of posts, in my opinion. Again, there might be more, but those are kind of the types of posts that I like to share to my community. And and so would you say that you have a, a broad community or that you have an industry-specific community? A very broad community. I think initially I was kind of very pigeonholed within like college prof- college, college, and young professionals mainly. Um, and then obviously now I'm in the marketing industry. I'm also very much uh, a public speaker. I've written a book. So I had a lot of authors and speakers also come in. So I feel like it's a little bit more spread out, especially geography, by the way. Like I think the majority of my followers are in North America, but I have uh, a decent amount of people in Singapore and in India and in the Philippines and in the UK. Um, so it's a little bit spread out geographically as well. Okay. And actually, uh, uh, we have a Jen who is in the comment, who is uh, uh, joining us from the Philippines. <laughs> nice, nice. Uh, we have uh, Ahmed also who is joining us. Ahmed is here like a regular every Wednesday from West Africa, Senegal. Right. And uh, our friend Deepak who is from Ontario, Canada, Ontario in the house. So welcome, Deepak. Um, And yeah, so Jen says, um, amazing, you had a great start using LinkedIn. So it's been seven years. You have been consistent for seven years posting content or you have been on and off? On and off. I mean, in the sense of like, I don't have a formula again, right? So I don't post three times a week. That's not my kind of mojo. Uh, I post whenever I feel like it. So if I feel like I have an idea that I really want to get off my chest, if I feel like there's an incredible person who I just got connected to that I want to tell their story to my audience, um, if I don't know, you know, something that I'm really curious to learn a little bit more about, I'll share that as a question and try to get my followers to educate me about it and have a conversation in the comments section about it. Um, So it's very much up in the air. I think the biggest thing for me is I I do try to make sure that I'm not, you know, posting once though, and then just staying silent for four months and then posting again. So though I don't have a formula in terms of three times a week or five times a week or whatever, 
I do typically try to post at least once a week so that I'm active enough where people don't feel like, again, I'm sharing content, I'm engaging in the comments, and then I'm just silent for six months until I resurface again. One other thing that I really do like to prioritize is making sure that not only am I posting content, but I'm interacting in the comment section as much mm-hmm. as I can. You know, I bet you've noticed this as well, Doreen, like, even if I share a post, like I go into my comments and I individually comment back to every yeah. single person that I can. And that goes a long way to show people that you're not just an avatar that's posting content on a regular basis. You're an actual human being that wants to have a conversation with your community. Exactly. And I think the conversation piece here is very, very important when building a community, because as you said, you know, you're not an avatar just posting and you're not a billboard. I call it a billboard, right? Yep, uh, yep. The same, way, the same way people would say hi or would say thank you for what you just said, you know, at the conference or I don't know, like at an event or after a meeting, like you would just just look at them and go, right? You would answer yep. to them. And so the same yep. way you have those conversations in person, it's important to have those same conversation online because your behavior should be the same. It's about showcasing your value and who you are as an individual. And so the same way you wouldn't just like <laughs> turn your back on people talking to you in real life when not responding individually to people on LinkedIn, exactly. people take yep. the time to respond and comment under your post is the same like you were turning your back on them and so that's not nice and this is not the way to go about it i agree with you 100 percent on that so Mm -hmm. my next question my next question to you is in regards to again the way you build your community but you said something that is very interesting you said at the beginning you know i was a college student talking to other college students and then i evolved and broadened to um a more larger audience one of the questions that i get uh, often asked is okay you know i have been focusing on this on building my community in this industry or my network in this industry now i'm shifting Uh, i want to do something else i want to move on to a completely different industries industry because you know we are multi-passionate and what we like to do maybe for five ten years or sometimes two years is not the same thing that you will enjoy doing two years six years from now Yep. But the thing is, the concern that I see in most people is, yeah, but would, what would people think about my shift? Like they won't understand what I do and what if they don't like the person that I'm becoming? What if they don't like my change, the shift that I'm making? And so my answer to that is you do you because no matter what you do and you don't do, people will have an opinion about you anyway. So you better do what makes you happy, right? But yep. then in terms of, you know, transitioning content because obviously the content that you were posting as a college student was very much different i guess than the posting you are the content you are posting now as an entrepreneur as an author as a keynote speaker so how did you make that that transition yeah for me you know i didn't actively go and tell people like hey guys i'm now an entrepreneur so if you were a college student don't follow me anymore uh that wasn't the case i think there is still content that i share today that's very relevant for college students that's very relevant for young entrepreneurs and young professionals generally because i you know i still feel like i'm very relatable to the college demographic right i'm 25 um i dropped out of my second year of college so i never actually completed college Um, I speak at a lot of college and universities, typically like once a month. And so I get to interact with a lot of them and again, hear the kind of common problems that they have in terms of 
you know, not knowing what they want to do with their life, not knowing where to start if they want to build a business, not knowing how to network effectively, et cetera. And these are things that I talk about pretty frequently on LinkedIn. But I think for me, it's also worth noting, like when I started posting more about data and marketing and advertising, I tried as much as possible to do so, not in like an elitist way. What I mean by that is I, I, I wasn't posting about marketing or data in a way that snubbed people to make them feel like, oh, he, now he's talking about stuff that no one can relate to except for a deep marketeer or an enterprise marketeer. I was posting content about things like GDPR. Uh, you know, I was talking about the Apple iOS 14.5 changes. I was talking about cookies going away, but doing that in a more informative way, in a way that anyone could understand. Even if you weren't from the marketing world, you could understand what I was talking about and you would understand what was happening and why I was so concerned about what was happening in my industry. So that's the number one, again, piece of advice I would give is that you are trying to be an industry expert. Make sure to not just speak the language or the jargon of people in your industry. Try as much as possible to use language that is inclusive, that allows for other people who aren't in your industry to understand why you're so passionate about what you do. That's, that's very true, actually. You know, I think the key is to remain relatable. And that's what you say, no matter how long you have been, uh, where you are at in your journey, as long as you are relatable, your story, your what no matter what you share will will resonate with some people and listen you might be i don't know let's say take an example an accountant right yep. but you may be yep. passionate about data so yep. and you know and marketing so yep. it's not because you are an accountant or an auditor that you cannot speak about any other topic and that you cannot search on linkedin for information about subjects that you are interested or passionate about so that's mm -hmm. very true relatability is 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 very important i think that's where most of uh, leaders and entrepreneurs maybe sometimes uh, feel um challenged you know they don't know really how to draw the line between being private and yep. and and being personal so can you tell us a little bit about it yeah, I try not to talk about three things. I don't talk about sex, politics, or religion. Those are kind of the three things that I, I leave out of social media and LinkedIn in particular. Um, I don't think that those are topics that uh, are suitable for a professional platform, unless, again, your work is somehow within one of those three. Um, for me, I try to focus more on things that I know a lot about. So I don't talk about things generally that I don't know a lot about, unless again, I'm sharing a question to my community to try to mm -hmm. become more educated personally about that topic. Um, I also, by the way, I, I, I try when it comes to my personal life to not necessarily share too much, uh, which means like, I don't obviously like to call out people um, unless obviously I've gotten their permission who might've rubbed me the wrong way or who might've given me an incredible opportunity or who I might be dating or who I might be, uh, involved with on a, on a more social level. So I try to stay away from that type of stuff. One thing though is, you know, obviously they have been moments where like I've talked about personal stuff, like I've talked pretty openly on LinkedIn about having a lisp, you know, and having a speech impediment, but going into debate and then obviously now doing public speaking. I've talked about mental health a little bit and like, you know, especially during the pandemic, feeling quite mm -hmm. down uh, and, and not necessarily, you know, feeling like we were ever going to get out of that period, which it definitely at one point felt like we weren't. Yeah. Um, and then I've also talked a little bit also just generally about, you know, seeing other people like friends of mine kind of go away over time, 
you know, and not being able to really maintain a connection to them, especially again during the pandemic where I wasn't seeing that many people in person anymore. And so stuff like that, I'm very open talking about. But again, I don't call out individual names there. I think mm -hmm. it's more of me just generally talking about what's happening in my life. And I try to, again, have some sort of professional twist to it. So it's not, you know, me just sharing something for the sake of sharing something. I'm sharing something so I can relate to other professionals that might be going through something else. Okay. That's, that, that's very good. And so if I can yeah. summarize, um, and I'm every day on LinkedIn, but I never talk about my private life as well. I'm very, and I, I can get very personal on LinkedIn though. Yep. I will share my, my challenges. Yep. Uh, I will share, you know, some milestone that can be personal milestone. It doesn't Absolutely. have to be like professional milestone. But yes, I would. I have never shared uh, something that is related to my private life because I don't yeah. feel comfortable doing so. And I'm glad yeah. that you are sharing your own experience of what you have your you have your no no list and yeah. where you are. You know, you are much more comfortable, like on topics that you are much more comfortable sharing. Uh, yeah. Because I see a lot of people being like, yeah, but you know personal, private, I'm like, no, this is two completely different things. Um, yep. What happened at home with your family, that's mm -hmm. it there. We don't need to yep. see it, on especially on LinkedIn, though. Yep. Um, my next and last question to you, actually, and so as I was saying, if I can summarize, you know, building a community on LinkedIn is about, you know, uh, sharing content, sharing different type of content, you know, and ensure that you are consistent at least minimum once a week, show up for your people. It's like in real life, if you don't show up for your people, your people won't call you anymore and you know they won't ask about you anymore. So the same way you would do it in real life, do it in person, in, in, online, you know, show up for your community at mm -hmm. least once, once a week. Um, be personal, get personal, share your lessons learned, your challenges. Yeah. And uh, my next question, how do you, get people going from your online community to your app mm. i think linkedin meetups have been pretty helpful for me on that like i've hosted now 46 meetups on my own uh, around the world shanghai singapore mumbai london obviously in calgary and toronto and vancouver and montreal so wherever i go to speak i typically like to throw a meetup and it's an amazing way for me to connect with people who follow me online or who are just connected to me online um and so that's been my number one way of really building in-person relationships with my online community i think beyond that it's always good you know go through like one thing i did which i thought was a pretty good idea early on is anytime somebody commented on my post and this was like six seven years ago when i started posting I'd look at their profile and quickly ask myself a question. Do I want to get on a five minute call with this person? And most of the time the answer was yes, right? So I tried as much as possible when somebody left a comment on my post that I thought was quite interesting, meaningful. They took time out of their life to literally leave yeah. a comment on my post. It was a big yeah. deal to me. I'd mm -hmm. get on a five minute call with them, you know, and chat with them on the phone because my, my kind of hunch here is that if I got to know them and they got to know me, even through five minutes, for example, or 10 minutes, that the next time they saw a post from me, they would feel more like, I actually know Swish. I know who this is. I'm going to now leave a comment. I'm going to share this post. I'm going to like it because I really like Swish as a person. And so those five-minute calls, in my opinion, obviously can turn into a full-fledged lunch or coffee or dinner if you really like that person and you feel like you have a lot in common with them. 
But those five minute calls can definitely help in terms of taking people who follow you and making them advocates of your brand, which is really important, obviously, if you're trying to grow your online community. Wow. I think, I hope you are taking note, people, because <laughs> it's very valuable. Uh, and I know uh, a couple of people, actually, who would charge you a lot of money for this kind, yeah, of, yeah. This kind <laughs> of advice. So please take it yeah. all, watch the replay, take notes again and again, because, and, and you know what I see in you, uh, at Switch, is really, you are genuine. And that's what I like about you. Uh, this is not my first time interacting with you. And I saw you speaking on a couple of stages. And mm -hmm. this is something really that I appreciate about you. You, you. you do care about people. You are genuine about what you do. And, um, and people feel it. You know, that's the thing. People feel it. They mm -hmm. know it. And this is, in my opinion, the best way beyond the content, beyond the algorithm, beyond whatever the name of the social platform, this is the, mo the, the most powerful way to build strong relationship and to build a thriving community. Agreed. Well said. Couldn't have put that better, but thank you. That means a lot to me. That's, that's an incredible compliment to get. And it's something I've tried as much as possible to make sure people know is that I, 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 I'm not out here, you know, I don't sell courses, I don't sell master classes or anything. Uh, I share things that I know about because I genuinely feel like other people that use my tactics might be able to amplify their message, whatever industry they're in, they might be able to help kind of do a little bit more good in the world through that. Uh, and I'm obviously so passionate about LinkedIn as well. Yeah. So I just find that if more young professionals, college students, even people that are older, if they started using LinkedIn the way that I do, that community could be even more vibrant and more exciting than ever. So very excited. Thank you again for having me. 100%. So thank you, Switch, for your time. Thank you for all of you joining us. I see more people joining us. So if you're just catching the replay again, leave your comments, leave your question. We look uh, at all of them and answer all of them individually. <laughs> so take your time. We're here for you. Thank you again, Switch, for your time and your, your generosity. You have shared a lot with us today. And uh, for the people who want to know more about Surf and, you know, who want to learn more about you, where can they find you? How, where can they follow you? Definitely LinkedIn. <laughs> so Swish Kiswami on LinkedIn. Feel free to connect with me there. And then if you are interested in Surf as a platform and, and downloading the extension, just joinsurf.com. So J-O-I-N-S-U-R-F.com. And you should be able to download the extension on any browser that you use on your laptop or, com or computer. Thank you very much, Switch, and thank you, everyone, again. I will see you next week for another live episode of Stand Up From The Crowd. Bye-bye, everyone. Take care. Thank you, Switch.